On today's Money with Friends, GE freezes their pension. What does that mean? What does it have to do with you? And is this an opportunity? I've been reading this a lot. Is this an opportunity to buy GE stock? We'll have all that more with today's special guest thought leader, Chelsea Brennan from Smart Money Mamas on today's Money with Friends. Welcome to Money with Friends, coming to you live from my mom's half-finished basement in Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Saul Sihai. I'm Chelsea Brennan, coming from Connecticut. And this is the show where we not only read the headlines from Top Financial Press, but we also comment on them and give you tips that'll help you manage your money wisely six days a week. Today's show is brought to you by M1 Finance, smart money management. Take control and personalize your finances. Invest, borrow, and spend seamlessly all in one platform. Chelsea Brennan's here with us. Chelsea Chelsea's known about this for about 20 minutes, and it only took us three tries to get through the open. Nice job. Hey, we're here now. We are here. We've got all the peeps here with us, hanging out with us live on Facebook. I can't believe that I got you because not only are you the queen behind Smart Money Mamas, but you've got a big summit coming up. I do. We just opened registration uh, Monday for the Mama's Talk Money Summit, where we're going to have over 40 speakers talking on all areas of personal finance. It's going to be really cool. It is. And some of those speakers? Tiffany Alicia from The Budget Nista, Rosemary Groner from Busy, Busy Budgeter, uh, Stacey Francis from Francis Financial, who's talking with Adria Hillman about uh, smart money moves pr- before and during divorce. Um I mean, we could go on and on, but yeah. <laughs> we've got Aaron yeah. Chase from $5 Dinners. We've got some really cool people that are lined up. And I noticed it's the header right at uh, smartmoneybymus.com if people want more. It is, yeah. Awesome. Or right at mamastalkmoney.com. Well, well, I'm glad that you could uh, you could come here at the last minute. Uh, Brenna, by the way, who's Brenna Casserly from Emperor Investments, is scheduled today. For those of you that look at the schedule, uh, she had an emergency. So thanks for hanging out with us. I'm like, who knows about GE more than Chelsea Brennan? Well, tell everybody about what you used to do, because we're going to get into pensions and stuff. And this is kind of the kind of thing you used to analyze. Sure. Yeah. So I used to work at a hedge fund that focused on junk and distressed debt. Um, So I managed a high yield debt portfolio in the industrial space, actually. Um, That means that I actually am not super familiar with GE from a financial perspective because they have always been an investment grade company, somebody who has what's considered secure you know, debt. Um, and I focused on the guys that were more closer to bankruptcy. Yeah. Um, but now GE might be uh, leaning that way a little bit. <laughs> so. Man, man. Well, let's dive into it. And to, to start off today's show, let's see who's going to help us. Which friend of us is going to kick off the show? This is Scott from the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. The money talking party starts now. It's time for Money with Friends. Okay, the uh, piece that we're going to talk about, Chelsea and I, comes to us from CNBC. This is written by Michael Sheets. Uh, The headline is, Top GE Analyst Tusa Sees Pension Freeze as Sign of More Cuts Coming to Reduce Debt. Uh, Michael writes, General Electric's announcement that it's freezing pension plans for about 20,000 U.S. employees is part of the company's next steps in the balance sheet unwind. J.P. Morgan analyst Stephen Tusa wrote Monday. While the pension freeze helps cut some of its debts, the analyst expects GE will take further steps as the conglomerate seeks to reduce its leverage, the ratio of GE's debt to the value of its equity. Uh, Ultimately, we see more cuts to consensus and additional resources is needed to truly normalize the balance sheet, Tusa said. GE shares closed largely unchanged at $8.56. JP Morgan has an underweight rating on GE stock with a $5 price target. Two 
Sousa, the most bearish analyst on GE stock, has gained a following in recent years. He issued early warnings that the company's stock was worth much less than others believed. GE emphasized that it has unveiled between $9 billion and $11 billion in net debt reductions over the past month, but Tusa focused on how much this pension freeze helps GE achieve its longer-term goal, which is to have debt be less than two and a half times its EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization by the end of 2020. It's notable that today's moves and in four to five billion of cash contributions merely offset the seven billion in added liability since year-end 2018. So we really don't know that we really did. So really does not represent any progress versus where it stood at year end 2018. Tusa said, we understand rates are outside the company's control, but that is the point. It's a risk that is unknown and something we need, we think is a key consideration to investing in and running for that matter, a company with almost a a million people under entitlement. Hmm. Tusa also said investors should watch how GE accounts for any tax benefits related to the pension freeze. Last year, they adjusted gross pension out of free cash flow and left the 1 billion tax benefit in and adjusting both this year will be a marked step forward from a credibility perspective as a needed departure from the past. If not, we would question whether anything has changed, Tusa said. Finally, Tusa pointed out that the pension freeze's effect on GE's earnings will depend on if the adjustment of the pension contributions is on a gross or net of tax basis, he said. Tusa noted that when GE contributed $6 billion to its debt last year, the company stripped out all of the $6 billion but left in the $1 billion tax benefit despite presenting everything else as net of tax. We're awaiting guidance from the company on the impact of this move on pension service cost, operating pension, which would flow through earnings, Tusa added. So, this is really interesting and something that was coming up, you know, originally right before I, so I've been out of my prior career for a little over two years now. Um, but the first rumblings of what was going to happen with GE was already happening then of right. they had a higher leverage ratio. I think they just stripped out GE energy to try to reduce the the, the balance sheet. And this is kind of the, the most recent step. The, 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 the let's let's start off with a pension freeze just generally for people that don't even know what that means. What does sure. it mean that they that they froze pensions? So for the people that are actively in the plan right now, so not people that have already retired and are pulling benefits, but for employees that are they have that benefit. It's like as part of their retirement plan that the company will contribute towards their towards their retirement through the pension program, those people will not get any new contributions. So anything that's already been contributed for them, that stands. They're not taking that away, but they're not going to put in any new contributions. Um, And GE is also offering to buy out, I think, 100,000 people who are recently retired or about to retire, which basically means they will give an an upfront lump sum payment so that uh, they don't have to make those payments for years and years once those people are actively retired. And that, that lump sum payment, what do you think about that? I think for a lot of people, it removes the security. So I think in a, in some ways, especially with the underfunding nature of the pension, it can add a little bits of security if you know how to invest that money, if you feel comfortable with withdrawal rates and things, um, depending on you know how well that gets negotiated. But for most people who didn't think about investments very carefully because they always assume they had a pension, and that's what we've run into in the past is like, I just never even thought about how to invest in the stock market because I knew I'd have a pension to live on. Um, for those people, they end up feeling really stuck and, and uncertain. For for those particular people, it seems like, and I'm about to say a dirty word, but you know, a, a pension really is an annuity. Annuity is yep. a horrible word because of all the bells and whistles. But if you strip it down, it just is a lifetime income stream. For somebody that feels overwhelmed, is this one of the few spots where taking that money and putting it in an annuity so you can create your own income stream later and just have your own pension, uh, is is that a good option? 
I think a fixed annuity could be a good option here. I think, you know, obviously you want to watch what bells and whistles get added yeah, and what the yeah. fees are. Um, but it, it, a fixed annuity is just creating your own pension. And I think that could be a good option. Yeah. It's so funny how that word has become so horrible. <laughs> and if we get back to lifetime income, it, you know, can help so many people. Uh, yeah. l- let's, let's talk about some of these numbers that he's, he's going into the, going into the tax benefits of this thing. Why is he saying that we should watch the tax benefits and what GE is doing with taxes? Do you know anything about that? I'm, th- th- that's over my head. <laughs> so it it all factors into how first of all how much cash flow is actually are they actually saving? Um, so when he talks about at the end what's actually flowing through earnings, let's touch on that first. So by freezing pensions, what they have to actively contribute every year as pe- what they call pension service costs, which is the fees to keep it running and new money going in, and then some required cost for the people that already retired. So that's the number that really impacts how much cash flow GE has and how much they can continue to pay down debt or make other investments and do things like that. Um, For that, they're saying freezing the current employees, how much does that actually save them? And that's because they actually turned their pension program off to new new signups in 2012. So it's like, how big is that pool and how much of a percentage of that is that actually saving them on service costs? On the tax benefit, they will get a benefit for reducing their underfunded liability. Um, And they can choose to do that in a couple of different ways. So first of all, they can just take the tax benefit and and apply it to further reducing the pension load and further, you know, reducing their liability. Or um, they can use it for other things or they're already tying it into that $6 billion number. And that's what he's saying. They're waiting for company guidance of like, does that $6 billion include the tax benefit? Or are we going to get another billion dollar in tax benefit that we're really taking it down seven billion? Um, and that's that's the switch, and that's we don't know until GE tells us. He seems he seems to be saying though that this uh, pension freeze is not going to have a huge in his estimation. It's not going to help GE a ton. Is what I'm kind of reading here. Yeah, I think so. When he's talking about rates, um, <laughs> we're going to try and make this simple. But when we every year <laughs> they they have to go through and project how much money they're going to need to fund all the retirees currently in their pension plan. And that gets discounted back at the current interest rate. So when we've seen interest rates, you know, drop when we lowered interest rates again this year, for anybody who has underfunded liability, that liability just got bigger because they can't rely as much on growth. Um, So what he's saying is because the rate went down, um, we're only catching up. We're not actually doing any better than we were at the end of last year. We're just catching up to what we already got hurt on by lower interest rates. Yeah, because they because they have to put more money in. They have to put more. Gotcha. The uh, I keep hearing from people. Is this a reason to buy GE? I mean, GE's down and you buy stuff when it's down. What do you think, Chelsea? Is this like a, a buy signal? GE surely will come back from this. Um, well, so first off, I haven't been all that deep in GE for a while, but I would say that I think something like this is not a, a straight buy signal, right? I mean, I don't think they fixed this problem. I think for GE, they're now two notches above junk in the debt category, which, you know, they're still at just over three times leverage, right? This isn't a super levered com- uh, uh, company. And when you so talk about leverage, by the way, guys, we're talking about the amount of debt they have divided by the number of EBITDA, which is like earnings before interest taxes, depreciation that they that they have on their balance sheet. Um, they're not super high it's to cover companies with eight times. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Above, right? um, in junk. But for them, they're a huge, huge company with a massive amount of debt. And if they did get in a situation where they got knocked down to junk or even if they got to, to kind of one notch above junk, 
How the market perceives that, we don't really know because the investment grade market is much, 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 much bigger than the junk market. So how could the junk market actually take in that level of investment um, is a difficult thing. So I don't know if this is a, a straight buy signal. It's down, um, but I don't think GE is really out of the woods yet of how they're going to handle this going forward. I was I was thinking myself that uh, for people listening to this, uh, you didn't see the sarcastic smile on my face when I said, is this a reason to buy? Because I don't think so at all. When a company's in trouble, a company's in trouble, you know? And I don't think that um, I don't think there's it doesn't seem to me there's an easy way out. If there was, they would have been out of these problems that have been bubbling up year after year the last two or three years already. Uh, the Let's let's talk about this from a personal standpoint, because I think there's also a lesson here for people personally. And that is that it seems like when you talk about investment grade debt, when people have very little debt or they have debt that's at a very low interest rate, they can focus on the long term. They can focus on the future, making better stuff. I haven't heard GE talk about making better stuff in two or three years. All I'm hear about, hearing about is them getting rid of division after division and trying to streamline the company so they can right the ship. I think yeah. it's the same with, with the average person out there, don't you? I do, and I think that when they got, for them, they got so focused on being the conglomerate, being the gorilla in the room. And I think for so many people, they were like, it's GE, they'll always be fine. And I think the lesson here can be like, when things are okay, you kind of forget about the little stuff, right? You stop updating the budget, you stop checking your net worth, um, and things bubble up. And then it's a much bigger problem than if they had just kind of watched it all the way through. That's funny. I was interviewing somebody for the Stacking Benjamin show yesterday, a psychologist, and she was talking for an upcoming show. And she was talking about some of the little things like say, please say thank you. And she was talking about how people forget those in the business. And next thing you know, everybody's snipping at each other and yelling at each other. And she goes, and it's these little things. And people say, well, these are the basics, but it's the basics, Chelsea, that save you. Absolutely. And for someone like GE, I think just to touch on like last thing on their stock of like three times leverage. That's still billions and billions of dollars of debt, right? <laughs> like this is not something that they could easily like, oh, we'll just go refinance that. Somebody will pick it up. Um, this is a huge problem for them and something that I think that it's going to take a little while to unwind. That is wild. On that level, just finding uh, uh, the right size debt servicer is a problem. There can't be that many companies out there that could even handle a, a, a sizable portion of that debt. Yeah, I mean, they're, so they do exist investment grade. I think this is something that a lot of people don't know is that the debt market is multiples and multiples times the size of the equity market. There's right. way more debt investors um, and they can handle it. It's just a question of like, what at what point do they lose faith? And this is just something that's always funny with the market of a couple years ago, you go back five years ago and people were talking to companies like GE, like you're under levered, rates are low, acquire new businesses, like you're not using your balance sheet to your full extent, go get debt. And then now as we get closer to like, Things are a little bit slower. We're now things didn't pan out the way we wanted, and now we're in trouble. Um, you can kind of just never make the markets happy or make analysts happy, I guess. Um, but yeah, I was going to say there's also a personal thing there too. You know, things are going great for you. Let's take on a little debt. Who cares? And then one bad thing happens, and the snowball begins, and it can get worse and worse. In yeah. just a moment, um, 
and and Chelsea doesn't even know this is coming up. So <laughs> in just a moment, this is this is how 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 uh, last minute fill in Chelsea was nice enough to be for us. Chelsea, you and I are going to have our one big takeaway from this piece in just a second. So while you think about that, I'm going to tell everybody tell everybody a little bit about our sponsor for today, M1 Finance. The reason I like M1 Finance is because instead of diving into individual companies like we are today uh, and talking about General Electric, you really probably want to be more in index funds and different than uh, some companies that make you uh, get locked into either a set asset allocation like a robo-advisor will of many different index funds or a brokerage account. A lot of them now that just went free as we reported uh, just last week. Those companies, you can go pick individual stuff and you might not know what you're doing. M1 Finance is do whichever suits you. You can choose from one of their pre-designed portfolios if you wish. You can buy individual companies if you wish. You can also design your own set of uh, exchange-traded funds if you wish. And the cool thing is, is that instead of buying a single position, whenever you put money in, you can put it in the portfolio in percentages. So you don't have to buy individual shares. You can say, I want 30% of my money to go to this ETF, 30% to that, and and so on. Uh, I like it because of the fact that it's much more of a portfolio base instead of uh, picking individual positions. To find out more about how that works, head to m1finance.com forward slash MWF. That's uh, m1finance.com MWF for money with money with friends. Um, and actually what's funny is I just went to that page and for some reason it's not working today. So let's do this. Go to stackybenjamins.com forward slash M the number one finance. That is uh, d- duct tape right there, Chelsea. <laughs> It's incredible. It is, it is, it is not my day. Well, it is my day because you were able to show up and explain this GE stuff. So that's, uh, the glass is half full. Uh, so, okay. Our takeaways from this piece, what's, what's your big takeaway, Chelsea? My big takeaway is to pay attention to the health of the company that you work for or to the district that you pay for. I mean, we talk to teachers a lot um, who are like, I have a pension. It's fine. I don't need to think about my retirement or people at GE who are excited to still have a pension in this day and age. And I think that especially before you're retired, nothing is guaranteed. And if you have a company that is a little bit stretched or is a startup that's offering you, you know, 10 percent match on your 401k, like, what does that look like if it goes away and how are you planning for it? I think just being aware of what's going on um, broader is is a huge thing. I, I love that takeaway because I think that people don't people don't focus uh, enough on on the health. They just think that, you know, I mean, I'm in the Motor City, right? 2007, 2008, everybody's like, it's General Motors. What could go wrong? <laughs> yeah, there, there's just this belief that that somebody's going to take care of you. And frankly, like if you work for a public company, you have so much information available, even if you don't want to get into the crazy tech speak, right? Like you can read the read the press releases when they come out for the quarterly earnings. You can and and even just the news takes on on those, which will usually be easier to understand of like, how are we doing year over year? What are people concerned about? What are analysts saying? We'll just at least keep you abreast of what's going on. My my, my takeaway is similar, but I'm going to look at this as from a case analysis point of view. Uh, GE's problems have been widely documented 
And you'll see that they started off doing a lot of different things, especially for an individual focusing on those things that you do really well. And just being in that market is fantastic. If we go back to before GE had these problems, one thing that a guy that ran GE for a long time used to say, Chelsea, what Jack Welch was, we're either going to be number one or number two in this business or we're not doing it. And yeah. I think if we look at our own strengths and stop trying to shore up our weaknesses instead of taking advantage of those things where we have unique talent and focus just on those, I think we can be like the GE of old and hopefully the GE we see again after this problem. This is something, by the way, that we heard in the high yield market all the time. If we're the GE of this type of pump, right. <laughs> well, you only do one thing, so you're not the GE of anything yet. But uh, it's got to be yeah. like in Silicon Valley today. Excuse me, what the everybody Uber, says. The Uber. Yeah, we're the Uber of, or we're the Netflix of, or we're the Amazon of. I mean, the eye roll when people say that. You're oh, like, really? Awful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, once again, if people want to take part in your summit, how do they sign up, Chelsea? So you can go to mamastalkmoney.com. It's free to register. We're going to have over 40 speakers over five days. The event kicks off on the 21st, and we'd love to have you. I'm so glad we borrowed you for a little bit here. <laughs> it's great timing. <laughs> it is perfect timing. Uh, on behalf of Chelsea Brennan, I'm Joe Salcihai. We'll see you back here again tomorrow. Chelsea and I again on Money with Friends. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Taylor Eichenberg engineered this show and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends. <laughs>